I, I wouldn't have known all these people from all around Canada, US, Australia. Um, it really is a big network of alumni. Well, I have a few homes. Um, you know, the homeland is Canada, will always be. That's where I grew up. My domamushi, as as you can say, is Poland, but Australia really stole uh, stole my heart. So that's uh, that's where I feel the the best. We want to have our wedding in Poland, but it will be a trilingual wedding. Some of my family members in Hong Kong don't speak a word of English nor Polish. Hopefully someone who can speak Cantonese and English and maybe Polish at the same time to emcee our wedding. Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Hi, this is Małgorzata Bonikowska, and you're listening to episode 68 of Podcast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. Vadis in Latin means, where are you going? It is the title of an 1896 iconic historical novel written by one of the most famous Polish writers, Henryk Sienkiewicz, which contributed to his Nobel Prize in Literature in 1905. Young Polish Canadians adopted this phrase as the title of their conferences. There have been a number of Quo Vadis conferences not only in Canada, the latest one in Burlington, near Toronto, in 2017. This conference and its organizers were featured on podcast in episodes 48 and 49. A few weeks ago, Quovadi celebrated its 10th Canadian conference in Toronto. It was a chance for a great group of Polish-Canadian leaders and other young Poles living all around the world to get together network, exchange ideas, and plan new ways to do what is dear to their hearts, to keep Polish history, culture, and tradition alive. Kovaris provides a platform for a highly educated generation of young Poles with methods and tools necessary to answer the title question and to make a meaningful contribution to the Polish communities in their countries. I'm talking to Anja Baritska. Kovari's organizer and veteran. Well, Anya, you were in charge of this very special edition of Kovari's this year. Well, um, it was our 10-year anniversary conference this year. 2019 marks actually 10 years of Kovari's conferences. Yeah, it was a big international crowd. We had over 100 delegates from um, you know Canada, United States, Australia, and all over Europe as well. So really had a great crowd this year of uh, delegates. Tell me a little bit about what your expectations were and how did your expectations compare to what happened in Toronto? Because this time it was in Toronto. Well, just with every Quovadis conference, we try to center all our um, 
all our lectures, our panels, our discussions around heritage, leadership, and unity, the three pillars of Kovadi's conferences. Um, so our expectation was to stay within those parameters and to introduce something new to the delegates to talk about things like finances, which is a little bit different than we usually do at Kovadi's conferences, much more practical things, give people, you know, the tools for success. I think that our expectations were met. Um, I, right now we're sending out um, the delegate um, questionnaire. So we've been getting some feedback already. So we, we know sort of what worked, what didn't. Um, it's always good to get that kind of feedback as well, because I, as an organizer, you know, sometimes I get really caught up in what I'm doing and I don't see the bigger picture. Um, that's why it's great to have a good organizing team and then to have the feedback from the delegates if, you know, those expectations were actually met. How large was the team this time? Uh, we had 10 people um, from all over Canada, actually, um, working on the Skovadis. We had two meetings in person in total for the whole year. Everything was done online. We all only did conference calls. <laughs> it was 8 p.m. every Wednesday. We had a 40-minute conference call, and that's how we organized this conference. But you had people from different time zones, right? We did. We did. Uh, we had Mike Kulasha from uh, Winnipeg, so we always had to adjust to our 8 p.m. It's been a learning experience. I was really happy that I could at least be there for one day, but I really liked what you came up with in terms of the, the topics for your panel discussion, the women and also the one when you... And people talked about uh, procrastination. What what else was there? Uh, besides the women in Polonia leadership and um, the getting things done panel. So for Sunday, we, we had a start with you presentation by um, Maciek Fiebrich, um from Australia. Um, he basically talked about how important it is to put you first before you put Polonia on your table. Um, because you're, you know, you matter the most, your career matters the most. And then when you're all settled, you can actually help Polonia by getting involved. Um, we also had an organized organizational project management presentation by Camille Roos from Brussels, and also a panel of young Polonia representatives, so from each of the bigger young Polonia organizations. So we had Connect, we had Young Polish Canadian Professionals, um, the Polish Students Association at the University of Toronto, um, and we also had an organization from the University of Detroit, um, a student group. Um, and we had two actually um, presentations related to finance, how to manage your money effectively and, and sort of project management as well. Um, so the first presentation was by Martin Dasko. He, he did a presentation on financial freedom in your 20s and 30s, which was directly towards our, our demographic there. And we also had a presentation by Louisa Schatzwein. And it was a tutorial on sponsorship, like how to attract uh, cool brands to support your project. We also had a closing lecture by um, Professor Walter Perhau. That's your idol, right? Isn't that here your icon? <laughs> he, he really is. And, you know, he, he, he always gets a standing ovation at the end. And, uh, you know, a couple of tears were shed. He, he really touches your emotions. And um, he really talks about your forefathers and how important it is to to continue your Polish heritage here in Canada or U.S. or wherever you are, and that people worked really hard to get you here, and that you should always remember that. And, and I think it really tugs on people's emotional strengths. There were medals. Talk about those medals, because for the very first time, you did something special, right? You wanted to acknowledge and, and appreciate people who have been working on your movement, I should say now, for many, many years. Yeah, so um, we actually had a gala um, at the end of the Saturday. It was the Kovadis Awards Gala and 10-year anniversary, um, Zababa. And we gave out medals. They're called um, Kazimir Guzowski medals. They, they were given for, for leadership in the Kovadis movement. Um, so all past 
chairs and co-chairs of Kovadi's conferences received um, a medal at this gala, as well as three people um, who have been honor, honorary advisors and from the very start since 2009 for Kovadi's. And, and those were um, my dad, Jerry Britsky, Walter Perhau, and uh, Dr. Sokolowski, who actually helped Kovadi's get its name. He actually is at the Polish studies in Ottawa, right, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, we were sitting there in 2009 and, you know, couldn't figure out a name for this conference. He's like, why don't you call it Kovadis? Why was the medal called Kazimir Gzowski? Um, so Kazimir Gzowski was a very famous um, engineer of Polish heritage in Canada. Um, he received um, all types of honors, even uh, was it the Queen Elizabeth medal. Um, he really impersonates uh, leadership skills and also being a Polish heritage and making it in a different country and being an immigrant. So we really wanted to sort of let people know about him as well by giving out these medals because people are always asking, well, who's Guzowski? Anya, how do you look at those 10 years? Tell me when you remember the very beginning and you're looking at now, 10 years later down the road, what do you see? I mean, I, I, I mainly see the things that have come out of Kovadis, um, that people you know, went on on their own and, and organized themselves, whether it's Peace, whether it's YPCPA, whether it's Connect. It's all these like youth groups um, and organizations that have, have come out of these conferences and had their, you know, had their own objectives sort of personified in their own, own organizations. And the idea came out of Kovadis conference. So that's sort of, that's how I measure the type of successes that Kovadis have had. Because we do, you know, we just do conferences once a year. That is what Kovadis is. And people meet at the point of networking. Um, but it really, it, it, you can measure success, I guess, based on what has come for the last 10 years. And we really have, you know, that women, women in Polonia panel, those, those ladies up there um, representing <laughs> the biggest uh, Polonia organizations, really. Um, it really shows that, uh, you know, women... <laughs> Power Polonia, at least here in Canada, um, at least these young organizations, and it's it was it was really important to showcase that, and 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 that's sort of what I what I see for the last ten years, and I I do see um, students and young professionals. We all know each other now. Um, we organize more things together. We I, I wouldn't have known all these people from all around Canada, U.S., Australia. Um, it really is a big network of alumni. You keep in touch on a regular basis. Yeah, we do have an alumni group on Facebook, on LinkedIn. So it is a, a networking sort of group. Um, there's some things in store, some type of um, alumni mentoring. Um, so that I think is also a, a new project of ours that um, the Kovadis group is, is working on. Well, there are lots of really nice friendships, as I know. Uh, have there been any marriages? <laughs> I, I would say so, but I would not um, say their names. <laughs> One or more? I'm just very curious. Oh, I think it's a lot more. <laughs> That's amazing. So there will be Kovadi's babies, or maybe there are some already. I, I, I think there are some already. No, this is totally, a lot of people come to Kovadi's conferences to meet someone. This is, this is totally something we know and we encourage. Why not? What's the plan for the future? Um, you know what? It's, it's up to whoever would like to take Kovadi's forward in the next coming years in Canada. Um, the next Kovadis itself it's, it, is going to be in Europe. That's uh, confirmed in Lithuania. We still don't know the date or anything like that, but um, the next Kovadis is actually in Europe. It'll be the first edition. So that's really exciting. You can make it into a trip. Um, you know, Vilno is, is a beautiful Polish um, city. So 
it, it's really beautiful. I've been there many, many times and, and I would encourage anybody to go on a trip there. So I think I, I talk, I talk to a, to a couple of my friends and everybody's like, yeah, we're for sure going to Vilno. So I think people are going to make a trip out of it, like a vacation. So that's Lithuania. So, so the Lithuanian Poles will be in charge this time. Yes, this is, um, we absolutely give, um, all reins to, to the people who are organizing it. The, the only, um, thing that Asha and I will stick around for is any type of mentorship that they need. We can call in. Um, and, and besides that, it's going to be a Lithuanian version of Kovadis and they'll stick to the same, um, three points of heritage, leadership and unity. And it's up to them. You know, they know their community better than anybody else. And, and Kovadis is a traveling conference. So. Um, we like to give ownership to whoever's organizing it um, and sort of just monitor if they have any questions or if we've already gone through, you know, a, a problem that they have and, and try to help them out that way instead of butting in and telling them how to organize themselves. How much help do you get? And I'm not saying help in terms of, you know, volunteers working on it, but do you have financial, whatever help from, I don't know, huge organizations, Polish government? Um, so we have sponsors. We had over 35 sponsors this year. I think it was our, our record-breaking number of sponsors. So I guess the, the only type of help that we necessarily need is um, in-kind sponsorships and financial sponsorship. Uh, yeah, we did get a grant from the Polish government. Um, it's from the Senate of the Republic of Poland. This was the first time? Oh, no. We, we've been getting um, we've been getting grants um, from the Polish government. It's they give they give whatever it's I think it's seven million or something like that as um, well per year to Polonia projects around the world, and we apply. Um, and sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. Uh, this year we did get it, um, and we got it a couple of times before in Windsor. We got a grant in Toronto. We got a grant. Uh, Calgary got a grant. Yeah, so. We applied just like everybody else, and we were lucky enough to get a grant this year. But you also get sponsorships uh, from people like local, local Polonia companies? or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Canadian Polish Congress, um, the Polish Students uh, Initiative of Canada, YPCPA, uh, the Władysław Raymond Foundation, um, Connect, SPK was a big sponsor, Polonia Center, um, the Polish Women's Federation. Polish Heritage Foundation. <laughs> it, the list really goes on. We had great media partners this year. Um, Polcast was one of our media partners, which we thank you very much. Um, you know, it, it takes a village <laughs> to run this conference, and uh, we need great people, and we we really need the financial backing um, to make it a you know to the standard that um, the delegates expect of us. And do you see new people coming in, coming on board? Yeah, um, we actually, so I have two examples. So we actually had two um, 19-year-olds that came all the way from Windsor to, to a Kovadis conference. It was their first conference. So um, I, I think about 50% of our delegates actually this year have never been to a Kovadis conference. So this was their first time. So we really did pull <laughs> uh, new people out of, you know, their, wherever they are in the communities. Um, and, and they did come and they did experience it. Um, another example is last two years ago in Kovadis, Burlington, um, we actually sponsored um, the Polish Initiative of Students of Canada, actually sponsored two students to come to Kovadis. Um, one of them was Victoria Sterna. She was a student at the University in Toronto. And uh, she came to Kovadis. She had her ticket sponsored. And this year she was one of the main organizers um, for Kovadis. And she's young. Um, just started, you know, working in her field. So we really do see that new generation come out, um, whether it's organizational side or, or coming as delegates. And for you, for you personally, how important is it? 
you know what? Uh, people ask me all the time what my hobbies are, and I seem to keep saying that it's Polonia work. Um, I learn a lot every single time I, I'm either an advisor or I'm organizing a conference. I keep learning more and more, whether it's um, I still learn about people management and I, I still make a lot of mistakes in, in, in organizing as well. And, and I, you know, I'm not a professional conference organizer. Um, so I really enjoy it. This is how I like spending my time. I also meet really great people and I really wouldn't have gotten this far in, in my professional life if I didn't have a helping hand from a lot of people. And I really credit that to the connections I made at Kovadi's conferences and things that have come beyond or from it. While at the 10th Kovadi's conference in Toronto, I met a really enthusiastic young Paul, Shimon Motilek. His life is quite a story, as you will see. I reached Shimon in Edinburgh. Shimon, you live in the UK. How long have you been there? Um, so I've been living here for over four years now. Mm-hmm. And whereabouts exactly are you? So currently I'm in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, which is a very beautiful, magical city, and I'm quite enjoying it. How did you get to Britain? What was the reason? Quickly, I kind of came here to uh, continue my studies, but uh, ended up just uh, working and enjoying life. The UK is full of Polish people, right? Is that something that you feel also in Scotland? Most definitely. Uh, they do say it's the second most spoken uh, language here, the Polish is. And to be honest, my first week in London, I everywhere I, I was, I heard uh, Polish, and I felt like I was back in Poland. So it was a it was a big shock. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Would you want it to be more like a British place where you are one of the few, or are you happy about the fact that it's so full of Poles? At the beginning, when I first came, I was like, "Oh man, I'm just surrounded by Polonia everywhere." Like you know, I kind of uh, escaped Toronto for some time to to be around uh, English speaking people. Um, and all of a sudden, it's just Polska <laughs> around me. Uh, but now I'm kind of used to it, and uh, yeah, it's all right. You said you escaped Toronto. So you were basically, before that, you were in, in, in Canada. I was for a few months. Um, I moved back from Australia, and then I, I had a, a little stay back in Toronto and, and realized it wasn't uh, wasn't home, per se. And uh, Scotland had a beckoning, and I was uh, pleased to get a free acceptance to urban studies at the university here and uh, I took the chance and I moved. And how long were you in Australia? I spent uh, four years in Australia. So it was Poland, Australia, Canada, Britain? Not exactly. It was um, Athens, Greece, uh, Toronto, uh, Australia, back to Toronto and to Scotland and Poland in between. So you never, you never lived in Poland? Not for a longer duration than a few months, three or four months. So you were not born in Poland? No, no, I was uh, I was born in Greece. So your home, like your home in terms of where your, your heart belongs, is where? Honestly, at, at most, it's a, it's Australia. It's, um, well, I have a few homes. Um, you know, the homeland is Canada, I'll always be. That's where I grew up. My Don Mamushi, as, as you can say, is Poland, but Australia really stole uh, stole my heart. So that's, uh, that's where I feel the, the best. Are you going there? You're going to you're planning to go there again, or you're staying in Britain? What's the plan? Uh, most definitely. Um, if all goes well, it might even be next year. Um, but down the road, within the next uh, four or five years, I'll uh, I'll be back in Australia. Now, how did you get 
involved in Quo Vadis and with this whole uh, youth movement? Um, well, ever since I was young, I was I was already in, involved in Polonia, back in Toronto. So um, I grew up in, in Toronto when uh, we moved from Greece when I was two and a half. And since then, I um, I was raised in Toronto. So when I was about 11, I joined uh, a Polish dance group called Biały Orzeł. And I also joined Hartesfo uh, uh, in Szczepotale, scouting. That was a very interesting um, and exciting time in my life. And then from there, then I got into University of Manitoba for architecture. So I moved there for my first year and got back involved in Hartesfo. And I opened their first uh, Polish student association at the university. And that's where Anja Baritska uh, messaged me about Kovadis version 2, uh, which was happening in Windsor. And she told me all about it, uh, told me that I have to be a regional coordinator. And that's where it kicked off. And that's how I got involved in the Kovadis. From there, I moved to Australia. I and Maciek were close friends, known each other through Hartes, and we, we talked about the Kovalis conference. Uh, he had a chance to then go see them, and we decided to kick that off in Australia, and we had our first one in 2013 in Sydney, and then 2014 was in Melbourne, So, and that's that's how I've been involved, and all really because of uh, Jerry Baritsky and, and uh, his daughter, uh, Anila, got me involved. There's definitely many aspects to that. Um, a while back, when I was younger, I definitely saw that Polonia wasn't always represented in the best of light. Um, and I believe the, the selling point back in the day, the conference was, it was, it was about getting uh, Mojes, the, the young Polonia, to kind of start making a change and start uh, showing a positive difference. Um, because there wasn't that much talk about what Polonia was doing for Canada or, or for the world. We were kind of uh, not really informed of who our heroes were and whatnot, uh, let it be in Polish school. Um, so it was just what I heard in Hartesso, uh, you know, some legend, some legends, and you know, some war, war heroes. But aside from that, we knew very little about what's actually happening in Poland at the time and, you know, who was making a difference and who was helping to showcase Polonia uh, as a greater good. So that was the purpose. That was the reason why you decided to get involved to make this happen. Has it been happening? I believe that from the various provinces that have been held over the years, that definitely we have increased the profile of Polonia internationally. Um, there's been a lot of uh, spin-offs um, that have kind of gotten this further, like Szkoła Lidero, um, which has really helped kind of raise Polonia and, and build more leaders. Um, I definitely think from uh, uh, from the Kruvadis conferences, there has been quite a lot of new organizations that have formed, uh, new projects, uh, and I think that has really gotten more people involved and made us grow as a community. Now, do you see the difference between the young Poles that live here in Canada and the ones you meet and you're surrounded maybe with in Britain? Oh, most definitely there's a massive difference. Um, the Polonia here in Scotland and in Britain, I would say, is like fresh off the boat. Their their Polish is immaculate. Um, they have a different way of of uh, looking at the world compared to the Polonia in Canada. When I was around, we we would just go over the summer to Poland, so we didn't get the full beauty of Poland, and uh, maybe we didn't understand everything. 
And we have different privileges coming from Canada to, to Scotland as well. So just that alone may, makes us slightly different. Even though we're, we're Polish at heart, we, we have different points of view. And you can, you can definitely see that within the, the youth of Polonia. Okay, so where do you feel better? For some reason, you didn't want to stay in Canada. Um, ever since I was young, to be honest, I always wanted to travel into the world. Um, so I, I felt this unrest while I was in Toronto that there's still something out there to see. I had to, I had to go on this adventure because I, I reckon I would probably regret it if I didn't go. Um, but I am enjoying it. It's a much different lifestyle. Um, it's the second time I had to, uh, set up shop, as, as I would say, uh, from Australia to Scotland, but it's, uh, it's been an adventure, it's been a very wild roller coaster. Um, and it's, uh, it's all right. It's, um, right of passage to some degree of, uh, figuring out yourself and, and seeing what your strengths and, uh, what you can accomplish within a given time period. Generally speaking, in Britain, do you think that polls are perceived as, uh, well, kind of in a positive way, or is it true what we read that it's not exactly the case? Um, it's true what we read, unfortunately. Um, there are, unfortunately, with what's happening with uh, Brexit at the moment um, and the previous EU elections, um, polls have a very bad image in some in some views. We, we are known as a very uh, work, uh, workful um, nation. Um, people do like our hard work uh, ethic that we get things done, that we have innovative ways of figuring stuff out if it's not working. So there are a lot of positives. Uh, Scottish people tend uh, to be very forthcoming with, with polls and, and quite enjoy working with them. But yeah, you, you hear the horror stories about our um, unfortunate crime and, and a love of alcohol, which always uh, you know creeps up. And it's one of those negative things that uh, you hear more than actually the positives, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, and, and on a truthful note, I, I personally had a few issues even finding jobs when I used my Polish name um, during interviews or, or on my CV. We've just been, you know, banished as a as a nation from from certain certain jobs or certain companies because of that. Let's say a lot of the Polish people here, unfortunately, do do some of the the dirtier jobs that nobody wants to do in Scotland. You know, from from plumbing or, or cleaning, and it's a hard job. It's, it's a lot of work, even in the hotels. I come from a hospitality background as well, so working in the hotel, I got to say the majority was was uh, Palazzo and from the restaurant industry as well. So your KPs, uh, you know, the servers, everyone's uh, in the back cleaning. That's it's pretty much Palazzo because nobody else wants to do the work. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit sad. Do you think things have changed like among these young people that you because you've been to a number of these uh, conferences, right? And you were organizing or co-organizing one back in uh, in Australia. Do you see any change? Uh, most definitely, um, it has changed. Uh, people are a little bit more aware, um, a little bit more forthcoming. They're they're up for big ideas. There's no such thing as a small idea. It can always be scaled and grown. And there's uh, many great ideas around the world that can be then copied and used in other countries. So um, something that we try to do at Heart Festival, from my experience, is we try to use what things work in other countries and see if we can actually help make that grow um, here and there. Um, so I do think that Polonia has changed, and it's changed for the positive, because you can see uh, within our generation, we are a little bit uh, more in tune with what's happening around us, and we're, we're not afraid to, to let that kind of hinder our growth, our, our self-growth, and, and we try to aim for the stars. 
Now, other than friendships, and uh, I'm sure good friendships and good contacts, can you give me an example maybe of one thing that has grown as a, or has appeared as a result of um, this movement? Like, I don't know, ideas, projects, something. Um, well, well, you can even say that the conference itself, the j- just the basic premise of being able to get a group of Polonia to come to a conference and spend a weekend together to talk about how they can improve their local uh, community or or the surrounding community of Polonia. Um, I think that's fantastic because the conference went from Ottawa, let's say from Ontario to other provinces to the States and now Australia, and hopefully you know, soon it'll be here in um, Scotland. Um, so uh, that alone, just getting a group of uh, Palazzi together to talk about issues that they're facing within their community organizations and, and giving each other some uh, ideas or ways of creating new programs. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that alone, that concept, just having that platform to discuss. How important is the language itself? It's, it's definitely very important. But it's harder to for a lot of people to speak it. Um, my Polish isn't fantastic, but I do try to nurture it as much as as much as I can. And we're we're very uh, very hard on that in Harzafo that, that we do speak Polish. Um, but that, I think it has to be something that's part of our everyday life as as Polonia as Polacy. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. And um, and I have a lot of friends from other countries, nationalities that that mention that. They're not speaking to their kids in Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. The, the kids are losing it, and they themselves start to lose certain words. And you, you're not, you don't have kids yet, do you? No, no, not yet. But later on, when when that happens, do you think it will be important for you to preserve the language? Uh, m- uh, most definitely, I, I think it's part of one of my my hardcores that um, you know uh, the Polish language is very important, and I wouldn't want to run away from that. Um, and it's a beautiful language. It, it's really nice being able to go to go to Poland or or while you're traveling, you meet Polacy somewhere, and you're just able to you know switch tongues and and you know just enjoy each other's uh, company. Um, even with uh, where I currently work, um, there's a lot of Polacy that come in, and we you know we'll speak in Polish, and people get get very happy, and you're able to talk a little bit more, and and people enjoy that. So I think it's very vital to know the language, and it just brings us back to Polska. you go back to Poland ever? I do. I do. I've, I've been to Poland quite a few times. Uh, I think it's over the 25 plus times so far. I had a love-hate relationship with Poland when I was uh, much younger because it, it did seem over, over a few years that I was behind the times. You know, I just didn't understand how it worked and, and why. Um, but it's, it's grown. Um, I really love going and visiting family. I have a great family there. And... Um, I really enjoy the food. <laughs> well, who doesn't, to be honest? You've got a medal. Tell us about the medal. That was a surprise, to some degree. I, I don't believe I, I quite deserve it, because the other people that have received really have made a massive impact in Polonia. With my travel, have have you know touched on Polonia here and there, so it was a it was a beautiful recognition. But I definitely believe that the the medal carries some weight. That it's not just from the past. Uh, what you did, but it's also um, a token to to keep pushing you to go forward, to keep working in Polonia for the years to come. Because we're, we're all very young. I think it was just a, another reminder that uh, to keep going and and keep doing the work that we were doing. Well, let's hope you're gonna have your uh, next QV uh, for Varys in 
in Scotland and then everywhere else. I hope you guys keep doing what you're doing. You have to have your own voice, right? You have to have your own voice as opposed to doing, trying to do what the previous generations did because you're different. Most definitely. Most definitely. There is a, there's a little tidbit that not many people know, but uh, back in early, um, early 70s in Winnipeg, Manitoba was the first Polish um, young Polonia conference and it was also called Kumbhavis and you know they rallied about the same issues uh, back in the day so I, I think it was something uh, that was always on Polonia's mind and it uh, finally sparked and it kicked off um, because unfortunately that Spokania was only the first, uh, was only one uh, once off in Manitoba but what we're doing now with Kumbhavis and, and growing it and sharing it within Polonia, it, it can really really make a much larger impact than it, than it has. And at the conference, I met another delegate passionate about Poland, its culture and language. Erikson Singh is Chinese and comes from Hong Kong. Can you tell us a little bit about your life? Like how, where's the Polish connection coming from? Well, it's a long, complicated uh, story, but I'll shorten it to the most important parts. Uh, I was born in Hong Kong, but I left there at a very young age. Uh, my family decided to move to Singapore uh, for around three or four years, and that's where my sister was born. And then afterwards, I, uh, uh, we as a family, we emigrated and settled down in Vancouver, Canada. And that's where I grew up. I went to primary school. I went to high school, and after I finished high school, I decided on my own that I don't want to go straight to university. So I decided to take a gap year. And then in Poland, there was an opportunity there, and I took that opportunity. And uh, right after high school, around 17 of age, I moved by myself to Poland, to Krakow. Why Poland? Well, during high school, in my last year, I had a short exchange program, around three months in Germany. So that was my first exposure to the European continent and just to European lifestyle as a whole. And I fell in love with the European culture, the European lifestyle, and I had a host family. And I said to myself, I want to move to Europe uh, sometime in the future and hopefully be able to reside there to, to the end of my life. Right after I graduated in June, I found an English teaching job in Poland and they decided I, I have to take this and I went on it and then my life's direction has changed totally since since that time. So this was how many years ago? Uh, so I graduated back in uh, 2016. Three years ago. Yes. So when I was there, uh, halfway through my year, I met a girl. Uh, her name is Kinga and we've been uh, together since. And uh, recently, uh, uh, I proposed to her. Wow, congratulations. I guess you got accepted. Yes. And where is the wedding going to be? We want to have our wedding in Poland, but it will be a trilingual wedding. So we're going to have to deal with that because uh, some of my family members in Hong Kong don't speak a word of English nor Polish. So we're going to have a, uh, um, hopefully someone can speak Cantonese and English and maybe Polish at the same time to MC our wedding. But that's a work in progress. So, when is this going to be? Um, we're still waiting on the church reservation, and usually these take around two years. But we've put our names down for a couple of churches, and we're just waiting for the line to um, uh, to decrease, and hopefully we sign up to something. But all in all, I want to have a we would like to have a wedding 
right after I graduate. So that'll be next year sometime. Now, the interesting thing about all this is that not only do you like Poland, but you, from what I heard in Toronto, you said you were going to move and live in Poland, right? Exactly. And um, every word of that is true. Um, right after I graduate from University of Toronto, my intention is to finally uh, pack up everything and then move all my stuff and move myself to Poland. What are you going to be doing there, Tom? That's a very good question, to which I still don't have a definitive answer. Um, I do have some rental property there that would keep me afloat for the time being. But once um, through my contacts or hopefully by the grace of God, <laughs> maybe I'll find a, a permanent job or just uh, see how, how things take me from there on. So, mm-hmm. What do you study? I currently study international relations and economics. So um, I hopefully can translate my skills and use it over there. In the long run, I hope to start something of my own, whether it be in real estate or something to do with um, uh, Chinese cuisine. I don't know yet. Lots of possibilities, lots of options, I'm sure, for, for a trilingual person because you speak Polish. Yes. So surprising to me. And your Polish is really quite fluent, isn't it? Dziękuję bardzo. Proszę bardzo. When I was there, I picked it up from immersing myself into the lifestyle and the culture. And then when I came back for school, I decided to take formal courses to actually learn the grammar, the syntax, the reading, the writing, etc. Do you find it very difficult? I think everyone would find language learning to be difficult unless you put your heart and soul into it and actually immerse yourself so that you can pick it up. Do you speak Polish or English with Kinga? Um, a mix of both, but to my future mother-in-law, um, uh, only Polish because she doesn't speak a word of English at all. She must be incredibly impressed that you know the language, right? Yes, um, it's a beautiful language, and whenever I, it's, you know, I tell Kenya this all the time. Whenever I arrive at Warsaw Champagne Airport, my my heart is at a happier place because I step foot in Poland. And I feel happier when I arrive there. So I want you to tell me what it is, because, I mean, I understand there's a woman that is the love of your life. That's pretty clear. But before that, uh, there was something else. And there still is. You see, you say that you come to Poland and you feel that special feeling. I mean, I asked that question, why Poland? But what is it about Poland? Um, I would very frankly say it's the unity of the country as the unity of the people and also just the, the lifestyle. Especially if I live in Toronto or if I, live in, if I live in Vancouver, it's a very busy lifestyle. And it's all that, the whole mantra of hustle and bustle and so on. And I, I'm just not feeling comfortable living in this lifestyle anymore. In Poland, it's different. It's, it's, it's genuine in the relationships. It's genuine in people's interaction. And for me, being a, even being a minority here in Canada, I sometimes find, you know, there's like hidden racism that sometimes when I interact with people, you know, you can't tell if they're actually genuine in, in, in their relationship with you. But in Poland, people will be straight to you and they won't try to hide anything in terms of whether they want to have a friendship or just a mutual acquaintance. I can know right away. And I, I respect that a lot. But that's just, just my observation. But in general, Polish society is a very wonderful vibrant society and people are very welcome for me it's just it feels 
it's, it feels like I'm part of a, a, a community that wants something better for their country, and, and, I, and I respect Poland a lot for that. And at Quo Vadis, you came to this Polish conference that was actually attended by, I would probably think, other than you, almost everybody with Polish roots, right? Either first generation or immigrants or whatever. Um, and you also are involved at the U of T, right? In the Polish Society or Association. Yes, um, currently I'm volunteering my time and serving the Polish club. And um, I guess titles are titles, but what we want to do is to bring back some um, students who are Polish ethnically or students who are interested in Polish culture to actually have an environment where they can um, have fun and actually get to uh, be part of a community that is you know, genuinely Polish or just who are fans of Polish culture itself. There's the academic side where you have the Polish classes and you have the professors, but then you have us, uh, the Polish uh, club, where we can go out and have some drinks and actually uh, go to Sababas and so on like that. And you speak Polish amongst yourselves? Uh, yes, uh, we try to, or we just, you know, it's, it's kind of like Pole English, like half and half. How did you enjoy the conference? I, was, I felt very inspired. It's one of my first times to be in, this, in, in these type of conferences, so I can't really have anything else to compare. But what I took out from it is the, uh, the energy to actually continue having a uh, Polonia community itself, but also for younger generation to, to actually find people of your, within your age uh, to connect with. How do your family react to your fascination with Poland? So initially, when I moved over, I did not have any uh, connection with Poland other than what I learned in history class back in high school. So my family's first reaction was, you know, why not go ahead? It's actually similar to my father and mother's um, story because they left at, a, at around my age to go to Canada for university themselves. So it's kind of similar to what my parents did as well. Poland was like that for, for, for me and like my dad and my mom for Canada. So they were very happy that I would go out and explore on my own and to grow up on my own. And of course, now the end result is they're just waiting for grandchildren to happen. So, Have they learned anything about Poland from you or from Kinga? Has Kinga been here? Oh, yes, she has. Um, uh, my parents have been back a, a couple of times to Poland. Uh, Kenya has come to Canada once, but luckily she'll be staying with me for my final year as she got her Canadian visa. Um, to answer your question, I guess my, my parents have a whole uh, whole new appreciation of uh, countries in Central Europe, uh, countries who are under the Soviet Union, because of course um, there are some negative stereotypes of any country who are under the Soviet bloc. And they've kind of had that perception. But when they came initially in 2016, 2017, they were surprised of how much development there has been since 1989. They're very happy that ICE kind of halfway settled down there. And they're very happy that, that I'm satisfied with who I am there as well. I mean, this is a personal question and you don't have to answer it, but you were talking about the church. Are you Catholic? It's a, it's a question I have to ask myself every day. And I, I jokingly say this, is that when I'm in Poland, I'm Catholic. And when I'm in Canada, I'm uh, 
Protestant because there's not a lot of uh, Protestant English speaking churches in, in Poland, especially in Krakow. So I have to make do with what I have in terms of my faith when I'm there. And so you're going to have a Catholic uh, wedding. Yes, that is non-negotiable. And that's your choice, right? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. What about food, guys? What do you eat? Do you eat more when you're together? Do you eat more, more Polish food or more Chinese food? Uh, well, in Poland, I wouldn't consider what's Asian there to be really Asian. I think those are knockoffs. <laughs> I have to say, I love what my mother-in-law makes for me. Whether it would be supa or soup or, or just uh, pierogies or uh, just meats and so on. It works in, in both King is my favorite because we both love going to explore different restaurants. How do you feel about your your country of origin? How do you feel about Hong Kong? Do you have strong connection? In, in light of the recent events, especially with the um, protests surrounding it, I, I do feel a connection to Hong Kong. Most of my uh, family is still there. My cousins, my, my grandmother, they're still there. So I think it's difficult right now. And I hope your viewers, uh, your listeners can understand uh, Hong Kong, in my opinion, is a different society than what there is in mainland China. And there's a lot of diversity within the Chinese ethnicity itself. So to, to sum it all up, I'm proud to be, uh, to be from Hong Kong, to be born in Hong Kong, but I'll, and I'm proud to be a Hong Konger as well. Although I'm still Canadian right now, uh, I'm I would say I'm Canadian, Polish, and Hong Konger. So it's 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 the balance to, of all three. Are you taking Kenya to Hong Kong? We we do have plans to go either this Christmas, but in light of the recent events, we we're monitoring uh, whether it's safe or not to go there. But I I hope to take her there to see my grandma, and she she really wants to meet her, and I hope there is the opportunity. Well, thank you so much. You know what I wish you? I wish you the happiest, most wonderful wedding. I wish you. All the best. You're a very, very special guy. I was just having this conversation recently that, uh, with Kenya. So I want to raise my children to be citizens of the world, but also patriots to Canada and patriots to Poland. Hopefully they'll be trilingual with Cantonese or English and, and Polish themselves. To learn more, please visit our website, mypodcast.com. We're here talking about our love for eating Polish. My name is Peter. And my name is Laura. And we wrote two heritage Polish cookbooks called Polish Classic Recipes and Polish Classic Desserts, where all the recipes have been handed down from previous generations. But updated to modern kitchens, so no more pinch of this or glass of that. Today we're going to introduce you to goulash soup, Polish style. In our area, the orange and yellow fall leaves are mostly down from their branches, and the temperature has been dropping. And so it's time to turn our culinary attention to comfort food and the Polish soups and stews that keep us warm and satisfied on a brisk, chilly day. Goulash soup is a staple of many European cuisines and only varies by its spices and flavorings. My mom and her mom prepared this rich and satisfying soup in a Polish style by using dill as a key flavoring. In Hungary, they might use sweet paprika. In Spain, they might add olives and use saffron or coriander. In Italy, they would probably flavor the soup with bay leaf, sage, rosemary, or thyme. 
say, wasn't that a popular song by Simon and Garfunkel a few years ago? Well, uh, all right, all right. But regardless of where in the world you live or which cuisine you love best, you will never go wrong with dill. This recipe makes 10 servings and it's perfectly okay to freeze the leftovers. You'll need two shredded onions, dill, of course, fresh is best, stewing beef, and we prefer sirloin, beef broth, a green pepper, and a can of whole tomatoes, along with a sliced carrot. Although Peter always asks me to leave out the carrot. I don't know what it is about carrots. I really like baby carrots, and Laura makes a wonderful carrot souffle. But I don't care for carrots in soups or stews. Anyway, you'll also need potatoes, a bag of cooked wide noodles, and as always, salt and pepper to taste. Remember, this is not the Hungarian version, so we're not using paprika today. Grab a soup pot with a lid, saute the onions and oil until just golden, add the meat, cover it with broth and water, and salt and pepper. Simmer this for about an hour and a half or until the meat is tender, but be sure to check the pot periodically to make sure the liquid hasn't all evaporated. When you're happy with the meat, add the vegetables, half of the dill, and the remaining broth so that the meat is covered. Put the lid back on the pot and simmer for another 15 to 20 minutes or until the potatoes are just soft. Taste the liquid and adjust the seasonings to your liking. It should now be a rich, brown, beefy soup ready to smack your lips on. To serve, put the noodles into a bowl and ladle a portion of the soup on top. Garnish with the rest of the fresh dill. Serve it with a slice of crusty, dark, bread, and sweet butter. And, of course, a glass of your favorite hearty red wine. The full recipe for this dish and other information about our heritage cookbooks is on our website, www.polishclassiccooking.com. Just scroll down to the article posted on November 15, 2013. And as always, I strongly encourage you not only to look at our website, mypodcast.com, but also go to our page on Facebook. On a daily basis, you can find a lot of interesting information about Poland. This is taken care of by Tomek Knia. Thank you so much. These are really incredible stories, articles, and videos. So, Facebook, podcast, we would love to see you there. Like them and share them. The crowdfunding campaign is continuing, and I want to thank all of those who are helping podcasts. Like all other podcasts, this one counts and depends on our listeners. What is free for you to listen to is not free for me to make. I have to pay for the server, MailChimp to send my newsletters, equipment, and last but not least, work that goes into producing it. Please support Polcast. Go to mypolcast.com slash support and make a pledge. That would be highly appreciated. And wonderful news at the end. I want to let you know that Kinga Hemming, a Pole who lives in Ottawa, has been nominated for Grammy Awards 2020 in the Acoustic Vocal Jazz category. Congratulations. This is a great honor, and we also hope to 
have you on our show. I want to play a song by Kinga Hemming. Every single part of that song really reflects on my life. And this is the most beautiful ballad that I can tell you. I just, I can't wait to share with you. The song is called Here's to Life.
or takes away. As long as I'm still in this game, I want to play for laughs, for life, for love. to life here's to love here's to you Thank you.